Welcome back to Inside the 18 Live from Mobile Mini Cup in lovely, snowy Tucson, Arizona. I'm here with Omar Zini. I'm Michael Majid. And uh, we are snowed in, aren't we, Omar? We are. This is not what we uh, expected when we got the invitation to come out here. But you know what? I just came back from Tahoe. So to me, this is, I feel like I'm right, right at home. It's been, it's been really crazy because uh, we came out here expecting we we're going to see all these training sessions, all these different MLS teams, and do some great footage there and all that. And we show up, and it's, they're like, yep, uh, we're going to be out here for like an hour in the snow, and we're freezing, and uh, not a lot of training going on. <laughs> yeah, actually, when we got to uh, FC Dallas's training, we, actually, we didn't even see the goalkeepers warm up. Maybe we, were, we just got there late, but it seemed as if they just kind of said, let's get in there, let's get in, get out, and let's move on with our day. Yeah, and they did not want to hang out afterwards, that's for sure. They were like, <laughs> let's bolt to those vans. Wouldn't you, though? I mean, if it's that cool. I mean, we, let's talk about our session last night real quick. Yeah. Oh, it was absolutely freezing. Uh, shout out to AZ Goalkeeping uh, for setting that up and yeah. Keepers Care for Kids. Uh, but honestly, those kids, they braved the elements, and some of the coaches, too, to come <laughs> out there and train with us. Uh, yeah, that's right. I said coaches. Uh, some of the goalkeeper <laughs> coaches actually stepped into the sessions, and I was like, you guys are brave souls because I'm freezing and I'm just coaching. Well, I told Mike, too. I said, Mike, look, in the car, before we get in there, if it's raining, do not make me do any demos that have me diving. And then I had you dive. And you had me dive right away. Like, Omar, can you step in? I was like, all right. Omar, you're going to have to uh, get through the cones, and you're going to dive. Oh, okay. Well, I guess that's our agreement being torn up in front of my face. But but, but did you see uh, what I did is I tried to keep all the kids active in my session. You did, yeah. I didn't want them just standing around in lines. So there was a lot of activity, a lot of distribution work, a lot of handling work, good reps, quality reps, but also consistent reps. Yeah, no, that was, that was good. I learned a lot from you, and I think uh, you did a good job of He's just, just saying of... that because I'm next to him. <laughs> no, I think one of the things that I learned from you yesterday was that um, – you try to contextualize your, your verbiage based on the age, um, meaning that, you know, obviously you have kids who are beginners and in a sense and need to, to be kind of have the technique dumbed down to them. And I feel like you did a great job with that. And a lot of the kids walked out of there with more information without it being overcomplicated and having them overthink. Because if you overthink, you become too robotic and it's going to be really hard to let things kind of flow. But I felt like you did a good job of giving them the right information. And then right away, they were able to use it and you can see the, the differences right away. I was just trying to keep my brain from falling apart because it was so cold. So <laughs> that's all I was trying to do. Uh, but actually, speaking of uh, coaching sessions, uh, Omar and I, Omar hadn't seen me coach since I think he was 12 years old. I think that's it's last been time. a long time. Yeah. yeah. So so uh, we wanted to do this little episode right now because we wanted to kind of, you know, some of you guys are familiar with Omar. Some of you guys are familiar with me. Some of you guys aren't familiar with either one of us. Yeah. And, and some know one and some know, don't know the other. So we kind of wanted to just kind of talk a little bit about, you know, who we are and how we got to know each other and all that. So, uh, Omar, why don't you start off on, on your first impressions of, of me and how you met me? Uh, let's see. I met you when we were both. I think I was with Sharif. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know, Sharif Zane is a legend. I mean, if there was Instagram and YouTube back in the day. Oh, my gosh. He's guy, still Instagramming and YouTubing. He is. He has, he's met everybody. I think he carries around like a photo book, actual photo book, you know, album, walking around telling people who he's met, showing people who he's met, different tournaments he's been to. He knows like six different languages. So he's been able to maneuver and kind of go around the country and the world uh, meeting the best of the best. But uh, I played for Sharif when I was 11 to about 15. And then I think you came in as the goalkeeper coach for the club for a short while. I don't know what happened after that, but uh, I got to know you then. Uh, we spoke a little bit back in the day. I mean, you can explain to people what I looked like back then. He looked exactly the same. <laughs> Omar was a man-child. <laughs> At like 11 years old, you saw him out there 
with the rest of the team. And I was like, did they throw an older keeper <laughs> to train with these little boys? Because you were just a, a, a man among boys there, weren't you? The thing about that, though, is that there was a time where I was probably in sixth grade and my career paths, like I, in my head, I was thinking if soccer doesn't work out, I'll probably be like around six, five, six, six at this rate. Cause I was already about five eleven when I was at like 12 years, 13 years old. So I was pretty big. And there were times where, you know, parents were like, Oh God, this guy's way too big. Let's check his birth certificate. You know how that stuff goes. But yeah, I was a bigger kid out there. And uh, unfortunately my physical ability wasn't uh, where it should have been. I was a little chubby, but uh, I made it work. You did, you did. You were you were great, dude. You were you were a hard worker out there, um, and uh, you really gave it your all. And uh, one thing I remember about you was uh, during uh, during the time of Ramadan, uh, when uh, when finally the sun went down. I've never seen anyone go towards a protein bar so quickly <laughs> as you. Well, that's the thing. I'll, I'll kind of explain a little bit more about uh, my time with Sharif. We uh, well, so I was there when I was 11. He told me the first tournament. He told told my parents, "Look, your son is is." physical like specimen let's put him with our u11 team we have surf cup coming up and let's you know let's try to get him you know with that team and uh get him going for that tournament and for the longest time i was just like so i was just so scared because i was playing with san gabriel valley at the time and i was 11 years old and i was getting scored on from half field because i had no awareness of the, of the field at all um so when they told me that a gold level team high level team needed me and they wanted me to play for their uh, surf cup squad I, I kind of hesitated for a little bit and finally after a lot of persuasion i made it happen um, and then from there, I uh, yeah, got to know Sharif a little bit more. I got to know you a little bit more. And that's where, you know, everything kind of took off. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the fascinating things. So for those of you guys who are unfamiliar in regards to Sharif and FC Barcelona and now CZ Elite, um, like I said, Sharif was kind of a legend in that area. And FC Barcelona at the time was one of the bigger soccer clubs out there. It was one of the first uh, clubs that I started working for as a goalkeeper coach. I was a younger goalkeeper coach, was still trying to play at the same time. Uh, so there was a lot going on, and I was still, still kind of going through the motions and kind of you know um, learning the ropes and all of that. And it was, it was a great springboard for me uh, to uh, bolt immediately uh, <laughs> when I got a better offer. No, no. Uh, <laughs> what happened is, is that I got an offer uh, to be full-time at Real SoCal. Uh, Real SoCal is all a su Southern California powerhouse. Uh, at the time, it had just merged. It had been West Valley Samba and uh, SoCal United, and they merged to come Real SoCal. I was one of their first hirings when they, when they started Real SoCal. So I was very excited about that opportunity. It was closer to my house, and I just had to take it. However, I stayed in touch with Omar throughout that time. We did, yeah. I mean, from then, I, I, th I don't think I saw you for a good amount of time, though. I think we just kept in touch on social media, uh, which whatever it was back then, I don't think it was MySpace. Like AIM. Er AIM, yeah. Uh, early days of that. But then um, I went from being invited to that Surf Cup team and then being implemented to that uh, team for a little bit. And I realized, damn, okay, like I have potential. or I feel like I have potential. I love this sport. And if they, they want to have me, then they are patient with my development. Let's go ahead and do it. So I stayed with that team until I was 15. And in the meantime, right there, we had uh, Sharif had sh like shooting clinics. Uh, sushi clinic, uh, oh, shooting sushi clinic. clinic. Well, shooting clinic used to be Wednesdays uh, for the olders and then Thursdays for the youngers. And um, during Ramadan, during any time, I used to go. I probably went for like two years straight. And the way it works is Sharif has kids uh, from most older ages. Uh, and by the way, some of those guys like Eder Ariola plays for, played for Phoenix. Jesus Gonzalez played in the uh, NASL. So a lot of big time guys. And we, uh, we would scrimmage them a lot. We'd play in the shooting clinics and stuff like that. And Sharif would line kids up at different angles and just take shots from those different angles. So I felt like when I was younger, that was like the, the first 
first place I started realizing that um, how to kind of manipulate my positioning and how to uh, get all those reps to, to work for me and not against me. Of course, you know, getting those goals scored on you feels like crap. But as I got older, I realized like I know how to set properly. I know how to get into a shot, how to set it at an angle because of all of this. And I probably did that. I mean, it was two hours a week plus my team training, but I would do that uh, probably for like three years straight, about 40 weeks out of the year. So you can imagine how many reps I got and how I got to kind of be, I, I would never thought of, I was ever gonna become a natural shot stopper, but I think through that, I, I became somebody who was known as a shot stopper. Yeah, and I think then the next time I saw you was at Dallas Cup when you went with, uh, with FC Barcelona yeah. to Dallas Cup and uh, we were all, there with Real SoCal, they had a bunch of teams there. FC Barcelona had a had a bunch of teams there, and uh, you had a pretty successful Dallas Cup. We did. I mean, we we uh, got out of our group, which people didn't think we were going to. Uh, got first place in that. Then the quarterfinals. What happened was it was rained out one day, so we ended up playing our final group game plus the quarterfinal in the same day. And I remember we played against a team from Southern California in the uh, quarterfinal, and uh, played against them. We got to we ended up getting to PKs. And we ended up winning in PKs, but my warm-up that day, which was like a 4 o'clock game, consisted of a volley, two shots on the ground, and that's it. Because it was already, so we were so exhausted by then. Got to the uh, semifinal, won our semifinal in PKs as well. And then got to the final, and uh, one of the craziest games ever. We played against Chicago Soccers, and uh, we went to PK shootouts. We're up 2-0 to zero with our third shooter going in. He makes the shot, it's over. Uh, and something crazy happened. We end up, we end up missing four straight. They end up making four straight. We lose 4-2. to two. So it was one of the worst uh, losses I've ever taken. I spent about three weeks, four weeks crying about it. Couldn't believe it happened, but from there, obviously we got to uh, be seen by a lot of national team coaches and a lot of coaches took notice of, uh, a, lot of my, uh, a lot of our team and a lot of the players on our team. Yeah, and Real Socal was there too. No, um, actually <laughs> we did very well. Um, actually our U16s team, which I was assisting with, uh, we ended up uh, losing in the final to Tigres mm. of Mexico. Uh, which was really cool because we got to play at Pizza Hut Park, which was what it was called at the time, um, inside the stadium, and we were in the pro, pro locker room, so all the guys were really excited about all that yeah. opportunity to play on that field against a, a lot of those Tigris guys actually ended up going on to play pro, uh, which is pretty incredible. They had a really, really stacked youth team right there. They had some Mexican internationals and all of that. Um, so it was a really good time. And also one of the great things I got to see out of Dallas Cup was I got to meet a lot of goalkeeper coaches from around the world at Dallas Cup because a lot of teams from all over the world would come to Dallas Cup and they would compete in this thing called the Super Group. Yep. And the Super Group uh, was elite youth clubs from all over the, the world, uh, ones that you've heard of before, places like Manchester United and Liverpool, Real Madrid, and they would bring their youth academy teams to, uh, to Dallas Cup. Some, some of them even played in the younger divisions, not just in the Super Group. So I got to meet... Billy Stewart, who at the time was the Liverpool Youth Academy goalkeeper coach. I met Roy Tunks, who was at Blackburn at the time um, and was working with Brad Friedel at his academy. Um, just there were all sorts of different guys. The Southampton guys were there. Actually, the Southampton guys were asking me about, at the time, Josh McNeely. <laughs> and they said, well, does that kid have a European passport? Because he was also a man among boys at that age. He was, yeah. He was on our academy team. So after I finished uh, that U15 tournament at Dallas Cup, we came back and it was around the summertime. We played against the women's national team. They were gonna get ready for the World Cup at the time. We played against them. We ended up winning like 
Uh, did like a PK shootout afterwards, and I made I think I made one or two saves in the PK shootout. There was a time where I got a pass. And Carly back. Lloyd still <laughs> still hates you to this day. No, well, there was a time where I got a pass back and like I juggled it into my hands. And after the game, actually, uh, Hope Solo and Brianna Scurry were still on the team, and they kind of they walked up to me like, "Dude, you're a stud." And like that's when I realized I'm like, "Oh crap!" You know what I mean? Like this, I got some got some clout a little bit with some of the older goalkeepers. Um, but after that, there was a goalkeeper coach named uh, uh, Matt uh, Matt Menel. Was at LMU. He was a goalkeeper coach for the Galaxy, and he was there scouting us. So he walked up to me and he asked me my name, where I was from, and he uh, was like, you know, would you be, con would you consider playing for the LA Galaxy Academy? And I was like, well, you know, I'm kind of stuck to my my, my Barcelona team, and uh, I love being on this team, so I don't know if I, that, that's that's something. And he was like, uh, don't worry, we'll we'll, we'll convince you, and uh, I'm sure you're gonna, you and I are going to have a relationship coming up uh, in the near future. So uh, just bet on that. And after that game, LA Galaxy scouted about eight of our players, and me as well as like seven of my other teammates got taken to the LA Galaxy Academy, which was in its uh, inaugural year. Uh, so we went from there, and that's kind of where my Galaxy Academy day started, and that's where I met Josh. Yeah, and it was uh, it was pretty incredible because uh, I think Josh and you kind of both went from independent academies to the LA Galaxy kind of around the same time. Yeah. Uh, you just obviously in an older age group. But uh, I remember we would run into you guys when we would go out there for showcase. Um, you know, they would do the, obviously the academy showcases and you'd be playing for Galaxy. And I was like, my gosh, man, you know, you're making the drive from uh, Arcadia all the way out to, oh. to StubHub all the time now yeah. uh, for those training sessions. It must have been brutal. Yeah, it sucked too, but I mean, I also, after my freshman year at Arcadia High School, which was across the street from my house, uh, we had, I had an opportunity to go to another school for, it was a Division One program, it was a private school, which academically was good for me, and so that was also about 40 miles away from my house, so it was, my days, consist, my days consisted essentially of me going 40 miles to school, 40 miles home, and then 37 miles to Carson, and 37 miles back. So all in all, I was driving around 140 to 150 miles per day, three times a week, and it was uh, it was tough. But I think I think. And you by you it. were driving, you meant your parents were driving. At first, yes, and then as soon as I got my license, my parents told me, "Fast track you to get your license. Go ahead and start driving." So I carpooled with some friends, but it was worth it. I think for me, in the in the long run, that my my time at Galaxy was some of the best some of the best days of my life. Uh, Giassi Zardes was part of our academy program, so getting to know a lot of the high level guys there and seeing what it took. Uh, for some of those guys to make it was was perfect and that's why I feel like as a coach now I've been able to kind of dissect that and really reminisce on what our goalkeeper coach did with us at the time and see how I can implement those same exact philosophies methodologies to kind of get my goalkeepers to the next level so what made you decide because I didn't even know that goalkeeper coaching was something you were interested in uh, until later on when I found out that you you had started doing it after uh, your time at Davis uh, when you finished up your career at Davis and you were training with Sac Republic, you started uh, working with the Davis guys a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So I started working with the Davis guys, and it was a small role. I mean, the goalkeeper coach there was a good friend of mine, obviously. He's like a mentor to me. We, we trained together all the time for four years, so we, ha we, had, we built that relationship. But at the same time, you don't want to step on anybody's toes. You don't want to do anything that's going to, you know, take away from their role on the team as well. So he gave me homework essentially and he said, look, we're going to have you do scouting reports on other teams and then scouting reports for our own goalkeepers and, you know, break down their footage as well. So this is where the Professor Zini came from. <laughs> yeah, I think mean, we used to do this during season as well. He'd say, hey, meet me at the field 30, 40 minutes early. Make sure you bring the film from the weekend and let's talk about it. So first off, when I was playing, we would break down, dissect uh, game footage of myself. And there were times, like I told you yesterday, there were times where 
I didn't see any issues, but uh, that wasn't enough for him. He's like a perfectionist in that sense. So he's like, I want you to tell me more, really try and break down. So once I realized what, uh, what I was looking at and how to dissect it and how to see things, whether it was angles, positioning, uh, communication from that, from that perspective, what I could add to it, that's when I become, became a lot better at that and started reading situations and games because I had that recall uh, from that footage. So that was probably the initial phases of that, um, which was cool. But I know another thing for you too, I mean, uh, when you were younger, was film breaking a big thing or? Um, a little bit. So, you know, um, back on Betamax, it was very difficult. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Not that old. Um, it, you know, it, was, it wasn't as big as it is today because the thing is, is that the accessibility to film footage was not as, as what it is today. I remember when I was putting together my college tape, you know, it took a long time to edit those things because you didn't have a, a final cut on your computer yeah. to do all that kind of stuff. You had to hire that out to a professional to do it. Um, so it was very shoddy. It was very rough. And a lot of times you couldn't even see the guys. That's why you use people like Connor at DoubleTakeRecruit.com. <laughs> We're about to drop him in here. Did you see that James drop right there? <laughs> yeah, no. Promo I th- code inside18. Inside <laughs> the 18. Well, for you too, I think um, you have, I mean, from early on, you got a bunch of your licenses, and that's kind of what opened a lot of doors for you, right? That kind of gave you. It, it opened a lot of doors for me in a really quick amount of time because, you know, um, a lot of times I walk into a room and, you know, say, hi, I'm the goalkeeper coach. They go, no, you're not. You're, uh, you're not. You're a, a, a custodian or uh, you're somebody's dad or something like that um, because I don't, I don't look like a goalkeeper. And so I had to kind of prove myself at, at all the different levels, whether as a player or as a coach. So I went through all the different licenses. I got my, you know, at the time what they were called the NSCAA licenses. And then I got the USSF licenses. And then, you know, by the time I was like probably 27 or 28, I pretty, I pretty much every license I could get. And I was like, okay, now I'm, now I'm good. Now I'm good and ready to go. Um, <laughs> But I also started coaching high school, and I started coaching club, and then eventually just kind of moved up the rankings. One thing that really opened a lot of doors for me was working at Real SoCal because uh, they had a lot of connections. Yeah. You know, AB, JT, you know, um, just all the coaches there that, you know, they knew a lot of people, and they could get me in a lot of doors just by having the name Real SoCal on my jersey. Yeah. So I got to uh, do things like shadow with youth national teams, like U14s, U15s. That's how I worked with guys like Kendall McIntosh, you know, uh, players like that, Fernando Pina, uh, some really, really good, solid-level goalkeepers. I saw Cody Cropper as a young kid, you know, just a lot of, a lot of guys. And, you know, I'm just there, and I'm, I'm working with Charlie, and I'm working with, uh, you know, people like Tim McQueen and just learning from them, you yeah. know, and just standing there and sometimes giving too much information to the kids. And they're like, yo, just let us coach. You're just here to watch. <laughs> that's, that's the experience though, right? I think yeah. that's, that's the experience that I've learned in the last uh, two or three years that I've been coaching. And I realized, you know, when you're a coach, when you're a goalkeeper on a team, you're not really focusing on the curriculum. You're not really focusing on, on anything. You're just trying to stay healthy. You're just trying to get ready for games, stay fit. And your mind is focused on every single weekend or every single game. But that's the biggest adjustment that I've, I had to make is once I got into the coaching world, I realized the playing career is one thing, but getting into coaching is a completely different thing, right? You can put goalkeepers through certain drills, but if you don't have a vision for it, and I'm not saying I'm, I've solidified that because still, I still struggle with that, but it's kind of like, okay, how is this, this session number one of preseason gonna gonna you know translate to session number ten? What what are you gonna what uh, framework what foundation are you gonna set now that's gonna benefit the goalkeepers in session ten session fifteen session twenty? So uh, just from your perspective, and I'm sure I'd love to hear this as well. Like how how was that transition, and how were you able to kind of build your methodology, philosophy, curriculum? Because I know you're a journeyman. You've been through 
I mean, if you guys don't know Mike, this is why this is how I was able to keep in touch with Mike all this time is because he stayed around the game for so long. And um, seeing you last night working, to me, that was just like a solidified, like my idea of why I wanted to work with you because you know how to break things down with, with terminology that a lot of coaches don't. So just, I don't know, from your perspective. Well, I honestly, that, a lot of it is just, you know, is, you know, just reps, just like, uh, just like when it comes to playing, um, but also just learning from great people. I, I was very fortunate. I've had some amazing, amazing goalkeeper coaches. And I, every time I meet a goalkeeper coach, I'm always trying to learn from each different person. I never try to take somebody, you know, uh, like lightly. You know, I always, you know, you, you got to just look at somebody, even if you think they're a quote unquote lower level coach than yourself, you can always learn something from somebody. Because, For sure. Um, and you just have to be open-minded and you have to be willing to be humble and know that you don't know everything. Um, you know, one of the things for me is that I like to keep it fun when I'm working with no matter what level it is because the game is still a game. And another thing, too, is I want to make everything game realistic. And that's something that I learned from Nate failing is that if it's not related to the game, then why are we training this? Yeah. Uh, one thing, too, I think we talked about it in the car. And, I mean, this is mainly for the goalkeeper coaches. Uh, yeah. any, anyone who's a goalkeeper listening. Uh, Shout just out to the goalkeeper coaches who've reached out, by the way, and said that we're really helping them out. That that means a lot to us. For honestly. real, yeah. And I think that's the bi the biggest thing, too, is like uh, when uh, not even insecurities, but when you kind of like mm -hmm. just break down the goalkeeper coaching position and admit, like I've, I've, as I have and I'm sure you have as well, is just admitting that you, we don't know everything, that we're constantly trying to learn. I think that also That's why helps. I just throw a bunch of cones down on the ground <laughs> and say like, all right, this looks complicated. I'm sure they're going to be like, this is pretty cool whatever it is but I feel like that helps a lot of the, the goalkeeper coaches out there who are just getting in the game it gives them peace of mind knowing that it's more of a, a long tail type journey rather than trying to cram all this information and now it's like you're constantly learning and learning and here's one of the biggest mistakes that goalkeeper coaches make when they're first starting out one is they talk too much and they don't let the game teach mm -hmm. okay they don't allow players to uh, fail okay because failure has to happen in order to learn from it yeah uh, another thing that they do is they try to do too much activity in one session. Keep it simple. Keep it concise to one specific topic for the day and make a progression from that. That's something I learned from the Federation. That's something I learned from United Soccer Coaches is the simpler you make it, the easier it's going to be for everyone to be able to follow. And it's also going to be a better session because there's an end goal to it. For sure. Um, yeah. I know sometimes in college – they make it difficult for you because the coach says, work on some crossing, work on some distribution, yeah, it's work tough. on some 1v1s with them today. You've got 10 minutes. And so that's not – they're obviously a lot of times are not a goalkeeper coach. They don't understand what it takes. So you've got to find a way to be creative to make that all relatable to one specific breakdown of a topic. Okay, what specific play involved all of this where I can incorporate this and make it one session that progresses all the way through? Yeah, and I think that's the, again, uh, Mike and I talk a lot about this stuff. We spent about 12 hours in the car together the last few days. Mm. Uh, Is but it I only think, 12? Okay. <laughs> no, but one of the big things that I think I expressed to you that I've been feeling is, um, you know, obviously I have the channel and all that stuff. And sometimes it, it's great, obviously, for notoriety, but at the same time, it's get, it gets in my head in the sense of, you know, I try to put on this perfect session because of I want to live up to the name that I've created for myself or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And I think one piece of advice that you gave to me was like, you know, once you start striving for perfection, that's where that's where you're going to start, you know, hindering yourself and hindering your growth. Because at the end of the day, it's all subjective. You know, somebody can have a session with Mike, someone can have a session with me, and based on who they, you know, what preference they like or whatever this coaching style, they'll say Mike was better. You know what I mean? And, and, and once you get your mind fixated on this expectation. Well, they're never going to say I'm better, but <laughs> yeah. 
After sure. last Why night, not? I got I got a little taste of it. So I think you, get, you got some good stuff. I'm okay. But you know what I mean, though, right? I think yeah. that's that's where I think I've made the best um, the best leaps and bounds of as a as a coach is understanding don't strive for perfect don't strive for perfection because when you strive for perfection, you're gonna you're gonna uh, limit yourself because there's there is no perfect session. All you can really do is give it your best, put your best out there, and then after that, you can kind of sit back and go, okay, that didn't work, that didn't work. But that's where the learning comes from, right? That's where like that uh, uh, incentive of you actually breaking down your session and being critical with yourself, um, that's where the growth happens. And I think um, yesterday in the car, you gave me some great advice. You said, hey, like, you know, the kids we're training with, they may they may need a little bit more, you know, uh, engagement. Give them a little bit more technique breakdown. Don't feel because you've been working with higher level guys that they understand they have a comprehension of that. And right away, I was like, okay, that's, that's great advice. But me, a few years ago, would have been like, screw you dude like I know what I'm talking about but I feel like that's where the mentorship and like the friendship that we've had you've given me your from your experience that patience it's a long game learn 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 and then eventually everything will you know tie in and piece by piece will come together so that just takes just that just takes time dude it just takes time honestly the more you do it the more you just start recognizing those types of little things yeah and just coaching at the different levels and stuff like that you know You've had the fortune, in my opinion, of working with high-level people for the most part most of your time. And by high-level people, I mean older guys or women who have played at a good level um, and have a, a solid basic structure. Yeah, I've worked with everything from U6s who've never touched a ball before. So you just start finding out. One thing, about, one thing I learned from Billy Stewart, actually, at Liverpool, was that no goalkeeper is alike, just like a snowflake. So... You have to recognize that, and you have to find ways to connect with every goalkeeper that's there because some learn visually, some learn from an auditory standpoint, some learn from a, from a, a, a sensory standpoint, you know? Uh, and so you got to give all those different facets in your demo so that every single different type of goalkeeper can get it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, <laughs> I mean, we were talking about it. Like, behind the scenes, you got to see a little bit more of how I operate and how I kind of do things, and I, I personally – I sit down sometimes, like uh, I told the, co- uh, the head coach at Cal State LA, we were sitting down and talking, and I said, before I had the season with you, I didn't know how meticulous uh, some coaches were. And he's very meticulous. He'll sit down and like think about the session. We get into the office about two hours early, and I thought, damn, that's crazy. But really, you want to be, you, know, you want to know exactly where every cone's supposed to be, so that when you get out there, you know exactly what you're doing. Very professional. And to me, that was kind of eye-opening and made me realize, like, I'm, it's okay to be meticulous with your session plan. It's okay to take a lot of time to make sure everything is perfect. And like you said have progressions. And I think that's where my mentality has gotten better with is that before I would just literally have drills, jump over a hurdle, let's do this, let's do that. When really it's actual like development as a coach and setting a curriculum, setting the progression so that you know exactly what you're working on. And you can see the progression, not just of your drills, but of the goalkeepers throughout it. It's the difference between being a coach or a trainer. Oh my God. That's that. I think that's the best thing you've said in a long time. Yeah. It's the trainer versus coach, but yeah, you can shed some more light on that. I mean, what I mean by that is that a, a trainer is somebody that can perform an activity and do the, and do the activity, do the drill, you know, in the session with the goalkeepers, but they don't know what the value is for it and where the progression from that activity is in the development of the goalkeeper in the total grand scheme of things. Yeah. A coach is coaching somebody into developing their game as a goalkeeper. Yeah, and um, yeah, I think that's, 
I mean, we can go on, go on about this forever, but uh, um, I think that's where I, I learned a lot from my goalkeeper coach, uh, Matt Menno, back at the Galaxy. There was times where we, you know, you know, there's different types of goalkeeper coaches, right? He was very English style, American style, where everything was game related. We didn't do, we weren't jumping, you know, we weren't carrying uh, dumbbells. We weren't uh, doing some of the stuff I see Kaylor Navas' goalkeeper coach doing these days. But we were doing a lot of game related stuff, and. When I would step Taylor into Navas' goalkeeper training, when I've watched it on YouTube, I'm like, I'm exhausted. It's only been 10 seconds. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's doing uh, box jumps. He's, I mean, But it I, works for him. Exactly, right? At the end of the day, you can always, I can always see value in every session. I may not agree with everything that some goalkeeper coaches do, but I always say, okay, this is probably what he's going for. That's what they're going for. And as long as they have a vision for it, they understand uh, what the session's supposed to be about, the focus. That's all I really care about. But Back in the day, when I was at the Galaxy, when I first got there, U15, I was there from U15 or U16s and the U18s for about two and a half years. And a lot of the stuff we did in training, I would get into games and I go, "Oh my God, I've seen that before, and I know how to react." And I think that's where my mind has gone now, as I matured as, as a goalkeeper coach, um, not a trainer, but a coach. And I think I've realized, you know, obviously there's going to be levels to it, but make it as functional as you can, so that when these kids get out there, it's second, you know. It's, First, no, they say second nature, right? Second nature. Second nature. Right? I was like first nature, but um, second nature. They know how to comprehend and they know how to, uh, uh, you know, have that mental recall of what they did in practice. Um, but for you, how long did it take you to realize that? What was your, what were your early coaching like mistakes and things like that? Uh, well, my early coaching mistakes is I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, <laughs> so a lot of that, no, some early coaching mistakes I made was again I talked about it. Talk too fast you know, uh, grazed over specifics because I thought the people already knew what I was talking about. Um, uh, putting together sessions that didn't, that weren't, uh, congruent to each other. Like they didn't, they didn't mesh together. Gotcha. Um, let's see here. Some of the, some of the other mistakes I made were, um, wanting to showcase to the coaches and the parents that I knew what I was talking about. Okay. Rather than focusing on the kids. Um, but again, this is all just, it comes with experience. It comes with time. That's why there's licenses. That's why there's such a thing as uh, assistant coaches. That's why there's such a thing as, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, apprenticeship programs, all those sorts of things. You know, anybody out there right there who's gets down on a young goalkeeper coach um, because, you know, they feel like that they're not doing a great job or whatever, just understand they're learning. They're learning. Yeah. And as long as they're passionate and they're trying to get better – you got to keep guiding them. Just keep guiding them and giving them information and helping them and give them constructive criticism because it's just going to improve their, their ability to coach. Another thing, clubs, coaching education. you got to focus on coaching education even with the goalkeeping uh, program because a lot of you guys leave the goalkeeping program alone as if it's just an island. Okay, It's part of your club, and it should be uh, in connection with the club. So all the youth coaches at the club need to understand what the goalkeeper coaches are working on with your keepers. Yeah, I'm sure you've you've seen firsthand. Oh yeah, the uh, <laughs> the trouble that can come from that and not having that uh, fluidity and you know common ground within the club. But uh, I think we've discussed just about everything. Yeah, I I'm losing my voice here. <laughs> I still have to get Jimmy uh, in a few minutes here. So I think we're gonna wrap this up, guys. That's all the time we got on Inside the 18. Well, it's not all the time we have. It's all the time we want to do on Inside yeah. the 18. Follow us at www.insidethe18pod.com. Make sure you're still rating, reviewing, subscribing. We still got that thing until the end of February unless this posts in March, in which case that's over. <laughs> uh, and we'll see you guys later. We're out. See you guys. Take care.